This is RJ Clifford filling in for Jimmy Smith and unlocking the cage on a Monday. Today on the podcast, we talk to Misha Tate just 48 hours after her triumphant return and win over Marion Renault, becoming the only fighter to finish the retiring Marion Renault. We'll also talk to Billy Florentillo, who got married, fought, now back on his honeymoon, fight of the night against Benitez on Saturday, had a very interesting take on his future, relationships, and all that good stuff. She's just obviously on cloud nine. If she's at least half excited about it as I am, she's been doing backflips for the last 48 hours. Back out of retirement, my friend and yours, the returning former Strikeforce champion, former UFC champion, Misha Cupcake Tate! Get hey, some! Hey. Oh, I love it, the warm welcome. Sorry, welcome, Misha. On, so we're just doing this via Zoom. Sorry, I hope that's okay. all right, Mike. You're not going to have a heart attack or Kelly, right? <laughs> you get to do what you want, Misha, after a performance right, like that. Right. Like so that. how are you feeling, right? Have you, have, you, like, have you been able to soak it in? Like, what's the last, like, day and a half been like for you? No, nah, it's been great. I've, mm-hmm. I'm i trying to let it all soak in, right? It's been so long since I've done this, and I just feel like um, I'm on cloud nine. I'm just enjoying. I'm riding the high, right? I get these natural highs. Like, the night mm-hmm. of those fights after the fight, like, I barely slept. It was, like, yeah. three hours I think I slept, and it was just, you know, I felt great the whole next day. So, now just enjoying, you know, enjoying some downtime, probably take about a week to enjoy my family and chill mm-hmm. and then get back to, you know, back to work. There's still a lot of work to be done. Was it, was it, how different was this fight week, fight night, fight experience post fight compared to your other fights? Was it like you picked up right where you left off or did it feel different? It was definitely different in, in, in the best kind of ways. Like there was no stress. It was an amazing fight day, fight morning. Um, I slept into about seven 30 or eight, got up. Cooked <laughs> That's sleeping breakfast. into mothers of two, by the way, <laughs> not sleeping in exactly. <laughs> it is my parents are leaving tomorrow too, by the way, my mom is. So I'm like, I'll be up at like six something back to reality. Mm-hmm. But, um, no, I, I cooked breakfast and I got to see my son still nursing. So, right. So I had a nurse yep. before I went to the fights That's and then crazy to me. I, it was just, <laughs> but it was incredible. It was just so yeah. stress-free, so relaxed, had a great team around me. It was perfect. Truly. It was perfect. And, uh, like it was that big exclamation point being able to finish a fire that had never been finished for before in, in Marion Renault, right? Because, you know, she was, she was retiring, yeah. you know, she's 44. So it was a nice kind of like, you know, not straight to Amanda Nunes. Let's see, you know, let's get you back in there and get you rolling again. Um, when you were actually in that cage, like what did, did that feel any different? Did, 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 you know, you look, you look physically in the best shape you've ever been in before. Did you feel like this was the best Misha Tate that's ever been in there? I know it was Yeah, without a shadow of a doubt. It, it, I know it was now. Now, let, I mean, let's be honest. I haven't done this in four years and nine months. It was like something ridiculous, like over yeah. 1700 days since I had fought, but so I believe that I can get a lot better with my performances in there. Right. We kind of game plan like that first round, we're going to take in information and we're just going to get our feet wet a little bit again. You know, um, the striking is something I feel like has evolved tremendously in my game, but if that's what I think I was able to produce after nearly five years off. And a lot of that time wasn't even in the gym. So realistically, you know, I said it was a year ago from now that I was making the decision to come back. I called Dana but I had just had my son, you know, less than a Mm -hmm. month before. And I knew there was a lot of work even six months out from this fight. Like I was still having like some pelvis 
um, instability from having mm. the babies and stuff. So like, you know, even sparring, like I popped my pelvis a couple of times and I'm like, this is going to be, you know, this is going to be hard. Like this is definitely, but I knew that. So I just kept at it very slow. So I would say this is four months. I could say solidly like four months of real work. A lot of the work before that was just to get my body back to the point where I could start resembling a professional athlete and not mm. a postpartum mom. Yeah. So four works of you know, four months of strategy building, um, you know, and I only got to work with my coach Cal for seven weeks, you know, and he made my body just tremendous. So imagine, you know, a 10, 12 week camp with him and also just what we're going to continue to build on that base that we did now after five mm-hmm. years off. I think I'm just going to pick up momentum. It's so crazy to me. Um, like you look at fighters who have had kids and they come back and they're physically better. You like Mackenzie Dern has never looked physically better than after she had kids. It's like, my wife hates you guys. She's like, how are these bitches bodies just bounce back like that? This sucks. <laughs> you know, there is a connection though. That's, I feel like that's made after you have children as a woman, mm-hmm. you know, guys will never um, understand this. And I think people automatically assume that when your body goes backwards a little bit, you know, further from being like the likes of a professional, I think that it's worse, but as a mother, when you make that connection with what your body is capable of, mm-hmm you, you, you reach new heights in your mind. You're like, I am a fucking savage. Like I built and birthed a child. Like what more do you want? Like I can fucking do anything. Truthfully, that's how I feel. And I've, I've birthed two children and I'm like, okay, now fighting is just fun. You know, after you do that, it's like, yeah, I can do anything. So definitely it, it adds a strength in many ways. Uh, Heidi Fang with the Las Vegas Review Journal, mother as well. I think she put it perfect on Twitter. She said, after hearing she'd been in labor for 67 hours, I figured there's probably not much she can't handle. So they like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Touche. It's like going True. to war, right? Like nothing else is scary yeah. after that. Yep, um, yep, yep. Talking to Misha Tate here on Unlocking the Cage on a Monday. So uh, we talked with your coach, Eric Nixick, uh, last week before the fight. And, you know, without giving with the game plan, I was like, so what? You know, what is the biggest improvement that Misha's makes? We keep hearing like physically she looks phenomenal. Um, we keep she keeps telling us that she's the, the best version of herself that she's ever been. And he said, honestly, it wasn't like one specific skill set. It was just her overall MMA comfortability, better decision making, um, keeping the fight where you're successful, keeping the fight away from your opponent successful, things like that. And and it just kind of sounded that sounded to me, Misha, like somebody even though they were quote unquote off for almost half a decade, they were still absor- absorbing MMA knowledge and MMA capabilities. And that's kind of exactly what I saw, right? Like every part of your game looked better. Strike, you know, feet were lighter, strikes were crisper, your entries were still great. But it just seemed like you were so comfortable in the gray eras of MMA and you just always kept the fight exactly where you wanted it. Yeah, I feel like I wasn't confused or conflicted at all in this fight. Where where mm-hmm. prior, you know, th- there was just so much information and a lot of it coming from a place that's like, no, you have to do it this way. If you yeah. don't do it this way, you're going to fail. And that's really scary to kind of have that kind of input coming from a coach or from somebody, you know, in your corner because 
you want to believe hundred percent what they're saying. I mean, that's kind of your, so, so I always felt very confused and conflicted in fights versus like mm -hmm. what I felt like I wanted to do versus what someone else was like, you've got to do this or you're going to fail. So this is the first time where I've really just been able to tap into my strengths. And I think for the first time I, I said, you guys are going to see a lightness in me in this fight. You'll see yeah. a, a fluidity, a, a lightness. And, um, that's, you know, symbolic of where I'm at in my life, but it, it's also what's, what has naturally been produced for me as an athlete, as I move around and my in and out motion, my timing, um, the striking, just the way that I've been able to, um, sort of come into my own, if you will. And that's what I think. Um, yeah, that's what I think happens. So that's, it feels really good to say that and to yeah. be able to express myself as an athlete in the way that I want to. You're such a sweetheart. So you're not going to come out and trash people, but I have no problem doing that. Like you're in a poisonous relationship with your former boyfriend. And then that was, and you've we've talked privately and somewhat publicly how like, yeah. that's a big part of why you led to retirement and wanted to get out. Now you've got fiance, beautiful children, everything's great in your personal life. Is there any, did, did, did overcoming that make you a better fighter now? Or do you think if you were always in a great place, you'd be better now and didn't take that time off and have to like basically have that, that weight vest on your emotions constantly until things got nicer in your life. Let me start by giving credit where credit's due, because I've shed a lot of light on the dark place that I was in and how mm -hmm. negative it was, but you know, I will give credit. There was also, you know, good things that came from that situation. You know, I think my skill set as a grappler, as a wrestler, um, were enhanced, right? Um, I got received great information as far as that goes, but the part of the relationship that was so toxic was the, the part that was the constant berating the constant, you know, nobody will love you more than me. Nobody will appreciate you. Nobody, nobody, you're, you, you know, you're nothing without me. I started your whole career. You cannot do it without me. You know, I'm the one it's me, me, me. And, um, you know, I bought into that for a long time, just being very naive. So to answer your question, I think that, uh, it would be a combination, but honestly, I think I would have been further in my career. I don't think that, um, the losses that I had, you know, especially, you know, the loss to Raquel, um, even the fight with Amanda, I think, you know, who knows how that could have went if I was in a better place, but I think I could have been a champion in a long, a lot longer, more dominant champion. Cause I believe I have that skill set. Mm -hmm. I just could not express myself as an athlete. I'm so conflicted and just in a lot of turmoil. So, yeah. um, all I, we can't go back and say what, what could have been, would have been, should have been, but I know I have a second opportunity right now. I have a chapter two that I'm just now opening and I believe wholeheartedly. I just, I know the best is yet to come. Well, with that said, um, what is next? Because, you know, you, you know, again, Marin Renault, fine, fine fighter, was on a little bit of a rough patch, but you were the first person to ever finish her. I think really put a big exclamation point on this fight. Like you did something no one else she ever fought could do. So where do you think that puts you now? Um, Amanda Nunes desperately needs title contenders because she fought everybody. And I think a rematch with you, should this, you know, this momentum continue is really on the path. Do you have a timeline in your mind? Like I want to be the number one contender in 18 months next. Like what? If you could plan out your career realistically, what do you think it would look like moving forward? Um, sometime in 2022, I think I should be a, a contender. I'd like to fight at least one more time. Yeah, just one more time before the year is over. Mm -hmm. um, and then as far as who that is, I don't know. I'm hoping, obviously, 
someone in the top 10. Yep. Um, but I don't know who uh, exactly yet, but we'll see. I mean, I kind of have my, my, I, I don't want to say too much. I want to just uh, talk to my management and make sure we're, we're good with where I think I want to go and where we think we should all go. Right. It's a team effort. There's um, definitely got to be um, everybody on the same page. So, um, but I think a couple more fights, right. Two, three more fights. Like if I keep putting on the performances like this and I keep elevating the game, I know people are going to say, Oh, Mari, you know, she lost her last few. I like to remind people she was split decisions. You know, it was very close fights. Sure. And not only did nobody finish her, but nobody's do- dominated Marion. She's always mm-hmm. been able to stay in fights and make them very close fights. And this is me after five years of being gone. You know, these yeah. are things that, you know, a, a, an improve, and this is not a knock, you know, but I, I just, it's not a knock, but you know, I, she's fought the likes of Holly. She's fight the, fought the likes of so you know so many women that I admire. Raquel, right? Um, I know mm-hmm. Sarah McMahon, and yeah, nobody McMahon, has been yeah. able to do what I did after five years of being off in two kits. So mm-hmm. don't want to float my own boat, but I think confidence. You know, my coach Cal said such a beautiful quote that confidence, in its purest form, is costly. And he's absolutely right. But I have, I have paid my dues in the blood, sweat and tears. I've paid my dues. And so I am, I am very confident. Um, and I know what I'm going to be able to do in my future. So I'm just looking forward to the next one. I don't know exactly what that is, but you know, we'll get there and we'll get it done. You know, you get so jaded working in the sport for, for as long as I have, but it was, it was genuinely heartwarming. Is that your excuse, RJ? It is. Yes. That's, that's my excuse. (laughs) Yeah. I'm sticking to it. Uh, you know me too well. But even my cold soul was like genuinely like overflowing with joy watching, you know, like following your journey this whole time and seeing how successful you were Saturday. It was serious. You know, our entire channel is obviously so proud of you. Was so happy that I got to be there. Ryan got to be there. Producer Josh got to be there. You know, Russo and Kelly, like they have some bullshit excuse for not being there. But we were half of us were there for you, Misha. <laughs> and it was truly an honor to be a, a tiny, tiny little part of that night for you. Hell yeah. No, I appreciate it. It was great to see you afterwards, uh, hopping on the post-fight show, seeing you do your thing back there, working your magic. No, it was great. And I'm so happy. I'm still in such a great place and I don't see that changing anytime soon. So it's mm-hmm. one, one down, however many more to go. All right. Misha Tate, victorious after Saturday. She'll be back on uh, this Wednesday on MMA Today with Ryan McKinnell. So you'll be, see, you'll be hearing a lot of Misha Tate this week and rightfully yep. so. Misha, again, Congratulations, and from all of us here at SiriusXM Fight Nation, we love you, girl. Thank you. Love you guys. Misha, Cupcake Tate here on Unlocking the Cage. This is Lindsay Rhodes, and I'm so excited for my podcast, The NFL Roadshow, to be joining the SiriusXM sports family. We'll be talking about the most compelling topics and to some of the most interesting people in and around the NFL, taking a look at things through my somewhat nerdy football lens. I like to push past the low-hanging fruit to get to the real stories that are going to make you feel like a smarter football fan. So please join me every Wednesday for The NFL Roadshow, available on the SXM app and wherever you get your podcasts. Joining us now, Billy Quarantillo. How you doing, Billy? Thank you guys for having me. Sorry about that. They sent me a dead link. Like this is one of those links you click on. It doesn't mm. do anything. I was like, all yeah. right, this isn't, this is not the meeting. Yeah. That, that sounds like our producers. Yeah. That's, no, uh, I think it was, I think it was on our end, but they, they, they no, got it. No, we're going to blame, we're going to blame our guys. Okay. <laughs> we don't blame the guests. We blame our guys. They got to set it up. I made, they gotta, no, I made it. And uh, thank you yeah. guys for having me. Of course. Thanks for coming on. I like this little setup. Are you a radio host? You got like a little studio there, a pro <laughs> mic. You know, uh, so 
I do, uh, I do commentary for a Brazilian uh, organization. So they do Portuguese. I do the English version. Shout out okay. to my partner, Jay Adams. Uh, we do, it's called a standout fighting tournament. And uh, you know, like they do it in Portuguese and then we do like our, the English version. Uh-huh. So I, I made this little office area. I got my fighting posters and then one of my buddies sent me this QCast thing. So yeah, I got a nice little studio, a nice little setup. I like to do my interviews in here and uh, it works out pretty good. Yeah, you're more pro and set up than our producers. I like this. This is I can, <laughs> I can handle this. Uh, it comes in handy. So, so you landed a hundred significant strikes on Saturday. How are your knuckles? <laughs> They're doing pretty good. My okay, uh, yeah. my elbows, my elbows are all scraped up. That that happens, yeah. you know, when you get when when you're doing a lot of grappling. Uh, my hands are a little banged up. Got a few stitches over the eye, and a, you know, a big gash in my tongue. But besides that, I feel pretty good. Yeah, it was. Um, you know, you didn't get out of there completely unscathed. There was, you know, one or two scary moments, but other than that, it was a about as well-rounded, dominant performance. I think a high-level UFC fighter can hope for. Is that kind of how you th- uh, thought the fight would go? Um, no, I, I, I was hoping it was. You know, I was hoping yeah. it was. Uh, you know, it would. I would get off to a fast start, which I was able to do. I was expecting. It was, was kind of weird. I never really do this, but right before the fight, you know, you just have like, you know, you start thinking about stuff. Right before the fight, before they're like, ding, ding, ding. I was like, man, I'm just going to go out there, drop him, take his back and choke him. Like, I felt like that. I'm like, man, I'm just going to go drop him and, and take, take his back and choke him. But you're never like expecting to, to do it perfectly. And I, once I dropped him, I like went up and like took his back. And I'm like, oh, my God, this is, you know, I'm going to get him out of here right away. Uh, but then going into this fight, I had a feeling. I was like, dude, if you if you can't take him out right away, it's just going to be a dog fight, and you guys are going to beat the shit out of each other. And that's pretty much what ended up happening. He was able to to get out of that rear naked choke at the beginning, uh, and then we just you know started having a fight, and I was able to get that takedown at the end and get the finish. Yeah, you. Uh, it's a compliment you never want to get, but like Benitez is about as tough as they come. I mean, like t- you just couldn't get him out of there to save your life with like a clean knockout. So mm-hmm. it required this. Like I was saying right before you came on this really weird TKO finish where you're kind of like at an angle, you got his back, but he had been shellacked so much that referee Mark Smith was like, cause the doctor told him, he's like, he needs like his face is beat up. Like he may not have a lot longer. Yeah. And so Mark Smith, like that was the right way to go, but credit to Benitez. Like he was like not finished. It was yeah. just like the, the structural integrity of his face. Just couldn't take it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What, like I, I just rewatched the fight earlier. I just uh, flew back to, to Tampa this morning and, and was able to watch the fight again. And, you know, just watching him in the third round, he was, he was, he looked like a good striker that was throwing hard. He actually dropped me in the third round at one point, you know, just like, yeah. like a flash knockdown. I, I was fine the whole time, but yeah, he was super, super tough. And, and that's what we expected with a Mexican fighter. They're always so tough. Yeah. So to get that, you know, to I, that really that the takedown at the end sealed it because if I would have struck with him the rest of the fight, who knows? He could have, you know, he could, he was very dangerous still in that third round, but mm. just that pace that I put on him kind of wore him down enough where I was able to take over and, uh, you know, get the finish. Billy Quantrillo here on a Monday, RJ Clifford filling for Jimmy Smith and unlocking the cage. Um, at the end of round two in the broadcast, you can clearly hear your corner say he's tired. He's tired. He's done. Did he feel that way to you? Did he feel like he was a guy that was almost done at that point? Uh, he, you know, that's, that was my coach, Matt Arroyo. He's always letting me know, like, you know, you're breaking this guy. You're letting him know because that's how I win a lot of my fights. I just, you know, put this insane pace on and 
they, they, my, you know, opponents have to match that. And by the time it gets like the second and third round, usually they're worn out. Um, Mm -hmm. so that's basically what he was doing. You know, he's like, let me know that he was worn out. He did feel, uh, a little bit, you know, I could tell he was a little bit tired, but I'm also a little bit tired, which my, you know, my, obviously my coaches aren't putting into consideration. So I felt a little bit tired. I knew he was tired, but he was still throwing hard. I remember he caught me with a couple of really good body shots in the third round. And I was like, man, this guy is like in my brain. I'm like, we got to dig deep for this win because watching the fight, it looked like I was pretty dominant in the first two rounds, but in your head, you're like, it's a close fight. And now he's landing some good shots here. Like you need, you can't let this slip away. Yeah. Um, I love your back take body triangles that you do you just go straight to the body triangle because like benitez like multiple times like on his knees and you know he's like got his elbows in there to try to keep you from from putting mm-hmm. your hooks in but you're just like you just slid right past the whole put the hooks in transition to body triangle straight to body triangle i think you do that in every single round is that your yep. standard issue move or is that just something you had to adjust to because of benitez um well so it, it was a lot of, a lot of that was for benitez because we've I love studying fights. Like I've watched every single one of his UFC fights. Uh, no one's ever been able to hold on to his back. So yeah. what he does is he basically does like what, like a wrestler get up where mm-hmm. in, in jujitsu, you never want to give up your back. You know, you want to keep him in front of you. Like if you're on top of me, I want to frame away and get back to my feet. But in wrestling um, and guys are very successful at it. Like Dominic Cruz and Uriah Faber are really successful that where when they get tripped up, they just basically spring back up to their feet and they don't let them get on your back. Yeah. Uh, one guy was able to take Benitez's back at one, one time ever in the UFC. They took, he got his back taken and the guy kept his hooks in to try to play that game. Like, you know, I'm gonna go to your back. I'm gonna go to Mount. I'm going to beat you up at Mount, mm-hmm. but he kept his hooks in and Benitez was able to turn up, turn into him and get back to his feet. So my game plan going into this was I knew once I took him down, he would turn up turn over and give up his back mm-hmm. instead of playing that hook game. I played just, I'm going to get the body lock, lock it in. And then I'll just play and, and in my head, get the rear naked choke, but he was very good at defending it. You know, as we saw, and I had to get the, the, you know, that uh, TKO victory, but just cause he was good at def- defending that, but just, yeah. that was a, a Benitez thing, being able to lock that body lock in and not letting him escape and get back to where he wants to be, which is striking. I feel like I'm interviewing an analyst because you've got this great studio. I'm not talking to a fighter. <laughs> Normally, it's like some guy on a cell phone, like in a driver's seat of his car. And you're like, oh, all right, I'm talking to a broadcaster. This is great. Um, oh, yeah. No, so- it's a good setup. And I've seen, some, I've seen some of those fighter interviews where they're like, it's like two inches from their face and, and <laughs> you know, everything's a, and they're in their car. Um, yeah. Any chance I could do it in my office, I like doing it in my office. Yeah, yeah. That's how, that's how you score points with guys like us. Um, so like the, the big, like, kind of like side storyline of this fight was like, you just got married and you got your honeymoon coming mm-hmm. up. When, when exactly was the wedding? And was it like during training camp? Like when, when was it? Yeah. Yeah. I got a few people asking me, they're like, why haven't you gone on your honeymoon yet? Uh, so what happened was I fought in December, you know, I was coming off that loss. Uh, and I knew I was going to get LASIK eye surgery. Uh, and I knew we were going to get married in March. So what happened was I got the. I, I didn't, you know, December I lost. I, I knew I had to take at least a month off to recuperate and everything. Uh, and then when I got married in March, at that point, it was already three and a half months after my fight. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I knew the UFC would offer me a fight. What I thought it was going to be was it was going to be in like April or May or June at like the latest. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So basically what I said was 
we had an amazing wedding. We had everyone come out. My, like my family, her family, everyone was still in town for a few days after that. So I said, you know, I'm going to end up fighting in the next couple of months. Let's just book the honeymoon when we get a fight date. And sure enough, they gave me, they gave me a long time to get ready for this fight, uh, July 17th. So I was like, all right, we'll wait a little while, but it'll be worth it because I'm going to go out there get a fight, get this victory money. And now we can go enjoy, enjoy our honeymoon instead of, I hate being in training camp going on. It's not even a vacation if you're thinking about fighting. So I didn't want to go on a honeymoon and just be thinking about my next fight, especially coming off a loss. Now we're coming off a fight of the night, uh, you know, extra bonus money. Uh, We can go and relax, not worry about fighting until November probably. And uh, really enjoy ourselves in this honeymoon. Where are you going? Oh, we're going to the Virgin Islands, U.S. Virgin Islands, which is not too far of a flight from Tampa here. And, uh, we, you know, everything's already booked. Everything's paid for. We're just super excited about that. Do you, as part of you, like, wish you, like, maybe got beat up more so you'd have, like, a sweet black eye and, like, some cuts or something <laughs> to kind of show off on your honeymoon? Oh, uh, man. No, uh, honestly, no, because <laughs> I, don't, I, don't like, I don't like getting beat up. And yeah. uh, <laughs> I've been on enough. Uh, I've been on enough. There's enough pictures of me with my wife where my, you know, my, I'm, I always have a black eye or like stitches on my, my face or, you know, a bloody cauliflower ear. So I, if I could, <laughs> I'll be, I'll be pretty enough by next week. We can get some decent pictures and uh, there'll probably still be a little, like I have like bruises on my face and you know mm-hmm. stitches still. So it'll still be a, we'll still remember it. What was, what was a wedding like during quarantine? Cause my, my sister got married in, uh, in January and it was just weird. Oh. Cause it was like, only X amount of people showed up. And the other part I didn't even think about was like, everyone's trying to get married now because there was like a year where no one got married. So like every venue, because like my buddy's trying to get married and said the only dates that are available are Halloween and nine 11. So they're just kind of like, they just have to keep uh, waiting yeah. or, you're, or it's like a hundred grand for a wedding. Yeah. Well, so I was, it, it, it actually uh, worked out pretty good because we, booked our wedding right before the pandemic started, but we booked it in Tampa, Florida and Florida has been pretty open. You know what I mean? Like they weren't, it wasn't like the Northeast that we've had set, you know, probably 10 friends, you know, set a wedding date and then have to reschedule it and push it back. Uh, but we got lucky because it was in Tampa. So we planned the wedding, the pandemic started. Luckily things got better in Florida. They opened things up a lot more and, it was basically a full wedding. It was a full wedding. No one had any COVID issues. Mm-hmm. Um, it was in March and a ton of people that came from the Northeast, like what everyone was like, text me the next day. Like, man, this felt like, you know, our lives are back to normal. Like it felt like 2019. Uh, it was, you know, like, it was like one of those like kind of coming out parties. And of course mm-hmm. we were, um, you know, everyone was on their best behavior in terms of like, everyone was like, got, got COVID chat, chest, uh, COVID tested that like flew in and out and everything. Uh, so it was, there was really no bad restrictions and it was booked before the pandemic. So we didn't get crazy surcharge. Cause I know the place we went to uh, charges a lot more now, of course. Yeah. Well, after the, uh, after the fight of the night bonus, you certainly can afford it. Is, is your, is your new mm-hmm. wife the one that like sees that 50 grand that you got and like already has it spent in her mind? <laughs> you know, I told her I, I was uh, now she's, she's, she's pretty good with that. Cause she knows awesome. I've, she was with me for all the years where I wasn't making any money. So she knows it's uh it's, you know, obviously a big deal to, to make this much. I told her, so I live with her and we have a dog and a cat and I told all three of them, they could go pick out one thing at the store 
uh, you know, kind of as a joke. And she's like, yeah, we, we, we got to get a new couch. I'm like a couch. That's what you pick. Like, that's the one thing so I'm going to, I got to buy a new couch for her. Uh, and then a couple of toys for my dog and cat. And that's, that's where I'm at right now. And we'll see how, how, how worse it gets. I was going to say like, the wife just wants the couch, but your cat wants a Gucci necklace or something like that. that. <laughs> that's, you know what? That's a, that's funny. That's, that's what I said. I'm like, you better hope the cat doesn't pick something crazy or else, you know, the budget limits our couch, you know? So whatever, whatever they want, they get, they get their one thing and, and that's it. That's <laughs> Gucci awesome. wallet included. Exactly. Uh, so, all right, back on the winning track, 16 and three. Now again, five night performance uh, on a main card. Obviously, you got your honeymoon, and you won't fight again until later yeah. in the year. But have you had a chance to to, to talk with management, matchmakers, yeah. anything about what's next? Because this is certainly a, a win that can build a lot of momentum for you. Yeah, yeah. You know, I'm as much as uh, you know, fighting's obviously. You know, I as long as I do my job with the fighting, I think I'm 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 off the right on the right track. But it's it's obviously more of a business now too. So we had a great meeting right after the fight. Shout out to my my manager Jason House at Iridium. Those guys, uh, I love how they're on the ball. They're just like me. They're just like my coaches. And I told them, basically, I know the UFC is going to uh, Abu Dhabi again in October. We already went yep. there for a Matt Frivola's fight. So I was already there for like two weeks. Um, I would go there if they wanted it. But it's always just been my dream to have these big, like, American stadium fights. I got that once in D.C. But then I had five – I've had five contender – I've had five uh, Apex fights. Mm -hmm. So – Ideally, it would be November pay-per-view, wherever they're going, whether it's Madison Square Garden or Vegas, uh, and a couple opponents that, that that would be options. I would definitely love to fight Alex Caceres. He's on a four-fight winning streak. Mm -hmm. He's just would just definitely just be an exciting fight, especially with a ton of fans there. I called out Charles Rosa. Uh, we'll see if they want to do that fight, but whoever they do for November, I'm just super excited and to fight in front of fans again. Uh, it'll, it'll get like my adrenaline will be going through the roof, the whole training camp. Yeah, I can imagine. Uh, 16 and three now coming off a of, uh, fight of the night performance. Great TKO against mm -hmm. Gilbert Benitez. Uh, Billy Quarantillo, enjoy your honeymoon, man. Uh, thank you, man. Appreciate you guys having me and I'll see you back soon. Hopefully get a fight in November and keep this thing going. Billy Quarantillo. Looking good as always. Unlocking the Cage with Jimmy Smith is part of the SiriusXM Podcast Network. The executive producer is Michael Russo. The associate producer is Kelly Murphy. Sound design by Nuri Balin. Andy King is director of sports podcasting for SiriusXM. Special thanks to SiriusXM's senior vice president of sports programming and podcasting, Steve Cohen. And SiriusXM Fight Nation program director, Marissa Rivas. SiriusXM Podcasts.